While you're standing, I'm going to take your attention to a message that the Lord's put within my heart. And I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to preach very long. We're going to have another baptism here in just a short while. Dory. Dory's going to be baptized tonight. We thank God for that. Praise God, our sister. We love and appreciate her. While you're standing in the book of John, chapter 11, in verse 43 and 44, John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. I want you to read those two verses with me. I want you to read it out loud. I want you to hear yourself say these words in John chapter 11, verse 43. Let's go. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. In verse 44, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. There were two things, two things that happened in that passage of Scripture, two things that happened in that story. Lazarus was raised from the dead, and Lazarus was loosed from his grave clothes. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes tonight on the thought raised and loosed. Raised and loosed. Say that with me. Raised and loosed. God bless you as you're seated in Jesus' name. The story in this setting is the story of Lazarus. And those of you that have been in church for any period of time, you know this story. The story is one of Lazarus who was a friend of Jesus. If you would look at John chapter 11, verse 1, everybody watch this because I want you to see because I'm about to bring you into something that the Lord gave me some insight into when I was looking at this. In John chapter 11, verse 1, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Watch these words closely in this fourth verse. When Jesus heard that he he heard, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I want you to note that verse 4 is vital to what this story begins to unfold for us. It's very vital. 
Brennan already talked about it a moment ago that our, our thoughts here recently has been on making declarations. But I want you to notice in verse 4, Jesus made a declaration. Jesus issued a statement. The statement preceded the event in question. Jesus issued this statement. He simply stated this when you look at verse 4, that this sickness will not end in death, but on the contrary, it is for the glory and honor of God that the Son of God may be glorified by it. It is important to note what Jesus said because Jesus knew what was about to happen. Jesus knew what was going to transpire in the next few days. But Jesus made a declaration right up front. A lot of us get excited. We want to go ahead and run on down to the tomb, and we want to see the miracle. We want to see the resurrection power. But even before Jesus, or even before Lazarus died, Jesus knew what was going to happen, and he preceded it with a declaration. He said that this sickness is not unto death. We understand, as we're going to read on a bit further, that Lazarus died. No, he did die. And did Jesus, did Jesus give a misstatement when he said this sickness is not unto death? No, he did not give a misstatement. What Jesus is saying that whatever happens as a result of these next few days, you've got to understand that death is not going to win. Whatever happens in these next few days is just going to be a temporary thing. It may look like a major setback, but the major setback is only going to be a temporary hurdle because here's what's going to happen. In all of this, God is going to be glorified. And I come to bring somebody a simple message in this room tonight that where you are right now is really not as important as what God has already declared over your life because it's going to happen if he said it. And Jesus heard it. And he said, this sickness is not unto death. But as we read further, we begin to understand that Lazarus did die, and we will read those scriptures. But in, in, in just prefacing it, going into it, you've got to look at it and understand that Jesus had already made a declaration. He had already made a statement, and the statement that he made preceded the event that was in question. It's important to realize that regardless how things are at the moment, we must hold on to the word that the Lord has given that has preceded the moment. Is anybody hearing me right now? No matter what things look like, at the moment, if he's given a word that is preceded where you are, it is not your temporary situation that you've got to judge things by. It is the word of God that you've got to hold as a candle, as a light to what God has dis or what is going on in your life. There's a difference between a report and a declaration. There is a difference between a report and a declaration. And when Jesus heard this in John chapter 11, verse 4, when Jesus heard that, 
He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, I could just stop preaching because we've already had a move of God, and I could just stop preaching right now with telling you what I'm about to say, and I think it would be sufficient. But I'm going to go on because I feel a little something nudging me. But here's what I want you to hear out of what I just read to you, that rather than focusing on what is, focus on what he said. Rather than focusing on what is, focus on what he said. John chapter 11, verse 11. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then he goes back to that statement that he had made in verse 4. And he said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. He had made that statement that this is not unto death. This is not unto death. And then he's telling them, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. You know what he means by that? He means I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there to change what was about to happen because what is about to happen or what did happen is something that needed to happen if he had got there and prevented Lazarus from dying we would not have met the I am the resurrection and the life there at the tomb of Lazarus we would have not realized that he has power even over death and I want to tell somebody something right now in the Holy Ghost that you're going through something that you wish God would just take care of right now I believe God's setting you up for something that is greater than you can ever imagine if you'll just hold on for a moment if you'll just believe the word that he's already given your testimony is developing in the dark room of your situation right now your testimony is developing as you're going through this dark time that you're in right now you see Jesus had made a declaration that this was not going to be a victory death he declared it death is not going to win and he also goes on a little bit further even after he knew Lazarus had died and he made that declaration that Lazarus is simply asleep because you see to God there is no finality until God says it's final there is no end until God says it's over and he just simply made the statement I'm going to wake him Lazarus is dead and I'm going to wake him up and then he comes to Bethany and Jesus I want you to look at this Jesus had those that were closest to him Martha and Mary these that were his friends. The Bible gives us detail about that. Those that were closest to him, especially Martha in this setting, they really didn't know him. 
because Jesus came to them and he looked at Martha and he said, Martha, your brother shall rise again. And she looked at him and she said, I know, I know he will. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that he'll rise again. He'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus looked at her and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. You know what, brothers and sisters? We have a tendency sometimes to have everything out there. We have a tendency sometimes to think that he will. He will. And when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. He, he will. Everything out there is going to be all right. But a lot of us are like Martha. I believe that something will happen. I just don't believe that something can happen right now. And so it's a put everything out into the future. But Jesus didn't look at her and say, I was the resurrection or I will be the resurrection. He looked at her and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And somebody needs to realize that even right now, God is moving. He's still moving. We just sung that. He's still proving. I am. He's the I am, not the I will be. He's the I am. And then Jesus faced some things. Jesus faced the questions, what if you had to come when we ask you to come? What if you had have come when we first sent you word? He faced the what ifs. He faced the what will be because Martha looked at him and said, you, he will rise again in the last day. And then he faced the scorn of the crowd in verse 37, there were people whispering there at Bethany, and they were saying, this is the man that opened blind eyes. He could have healed his friend. And they were raising questions. I want you all to hear this, because a lot of times our perception of how things should have happened can often blind us to the greater thing that God has in store. I really feel this, and I want you all to receive it, because we formulate ideas of how things should happen, and oftentimes our perception of how things should happen can blind us to the greater thing that God has in store. You have to answer the question, do I trust him? Do I believe that he is working in my life? Do I really believe that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose? And then as the story unfolds in John eleven thirty eight, 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, said I not unto you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, 
he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. There's two things in this setting of Scripture that Jesus refused to do. And I believe that if Jesus was here right now telling this story, he would probably say there were two things that you did that I won't do. And there's one thing that I'll do that you can't do. There's two things that you did that I won't do, but there's one thing that I'll do that you can't do. I didn't put the stone in front of the tomb, so you move that stone. You move the stone, and I'll do the resurrection. And then when he comes forth, he's coming forth victorious over the grave. He's going to walk out of the stone that you moved over that cave. He's going to come out, and he's going to be bound hand and foot. I didn't wrap him up in the grave clothes, so I'm not taking them off. I'll do what I'll do, and you do what you do. You move the stone. I'll give the power. You take off the grave clothes. The grave clothes were a linen sheet. If you'll study this, you'll see it. It was a linen sheet that covered the body. And then they took, as they wrapped this body with the linen sheet, they would wrap it tightly with, with cloth strips. And they would wrap the corpse up really tight. And inside the sheet, they would put against the body, they would put fragrant spices. And they would wrap this body up in the sheet, this linen sheet with fragrant spices, wrap him up really tight, bind him up, put him there in the tomb. That's the grave clothes. I'm almost done, y'all. Have y'all started listening yet? That's the grave clothes. The grave clothes. Somebody say the grave clothes. The grave clothes signified what had happened. The grave clothes connected him to his past trauma. The grave clothes represented death, and they identified him with what was. The grave clothes was death's bondage, and free men get dressed, but free men don't get wrapped up. The grave clothes represented where he had been and what had happened to him. And, when, and in verse 44, he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. It's not just God's will for you to come up out of the grave. It's God's will for you to be free from everything that identified you with your death. Come back, Courtney. I'm, I, I, wait a minute. Courtney, sit back down. Courtney, would you please come back to the camp? Sorry, I was, man, I sounded bossy and I Sister Maddie calls her angel. And you don't talk to angels like I just talked to Courtney. Dear pleasant angel Courtney, would you just. Hey, Pastor Brennan. Sorry, man, I'm really acting up. I snapped my fingers. I'm, 
Brother, Pastor Brennan, would you please come back and bring your team? And let's go back into, in just a minute, I came out of the grave. I want you to look close. He that was dead came forth. That's the thing that only Jesus could do. He that was dead came forth. But even though he was dead, and now he's alive, he was still identified with the dead. Because he was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Somebody hear me. He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. A.W. Tozer made the statement. He said, the devil makes it his business to keep Christians in bondage, bound and gagged, actually imprisoned in their own grave clothes. Why doesn't the old devil Satan give up and bow out of the picture when a person becomes a believing Christian? Although he is a dark and sinister foe dedicated to the damnation of humans, I think he knows that it is no use trying to damn a forgiven and justified child of God who is in the Lord's hands. I'm continuing to read Tozer's quote. So it becomes the devil's business. Are you all with me? It becomes the devil's business to keep the Christian spirit imprisoned. He knows that the believing and justified Christian has been raised up out of the grave of his sins and trespasses. From that point on, Satan works that much harder to keep us bound and gagged, actually imprisoned in our own grave clothes. He knows that if we continue in this kind of bondage, we will never be able to claim our rightful spiritual heritage. He knows that while we continue bound in this kind of enslavement, we are not much better off than when we were spiritually dead. I want to remind you what Paul told you, that you have been quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You used to be dead, but the power of God has brought you up out of that grave. But it's possible, Lazarus. It's possible. And Anna, you did an awesome job Friday night bringing this. It's possible, Lazarus, to have experienced the quickening power of God, but still be identified with what he brought you up out of. It's time for somebody to grab a friend by the hand and tell them, help me get out of my grave clothes. I want to be identified as a quickened child of God. I want to leave what's behind behind. I'm coming out of my grave clothes. We've been raised by the power of God. Somebody hear me right now. We've been raised by the quickening power of God. And that's the only thing that we cannot do for ourselves. 
We cannot raise ourselves from our sinful, dead condition. It's the power of God alone that can do that. But God is not going to unwrap us from those things that had bound us if we don't want to be unwrapped from them. But I believe there's somebody in this room today that says, I'm coming out. I'm not just coming out of the grave. I'm coming out of my grave clothes. I'm coming out of what identified me in the past. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord right now? Come on, all over this room. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Don't start shouting yet because I want you to grab a hold of this. I want you to grab a hold of what the Lord has done. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that you who were dead in sins, he has quickened us. He has quickened or made alive those of us who were dead in trespasses and sin. And he talked about the life that we used to walk in. He talked about how we used to conduct ourselves. He talked about the places we went and the things we did and the thoughts that we had and the things that we looked at and the stuff that we entertained. But we made up our mind that what he brought me out of, I'm not going to be bound by that any longer hallelujah he has raised us up together to sit with him in heavenly places you guys weren't here Wednesday night but I taught the Bible lesson out of Colossians chapter 2 and I want y'all to see it and we're going to you got enough energy to do it the way you did a while ago I believe it. In Colossians chapter 2, look at this verse of Scripture. And in verse 13, Paul writes to us and he said, And you being dead in your sins. Are y'all with me? And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Hath he quickened together with him. That means he's brought you to life. Having forgiven all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. In other words, every sin, everything behind you has been canceled by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your sin are gone. And then he goes on to say, in having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You know what that means? It just simply means that he disarmed every power of hell, every principality. He's disarmed it. This is our key to daily victory, that Jesus made us alive. He forgave all of our sins. He canceled all the charges that were against us, and you and I are now triumphant in Christ Jesus. But listen close, and I want to close with this. We're not just here to do church, y'all. We're here to show Christ. 
And we are witnesses to the resurrection power of the Lord. And y'all hear me right now and I'll tell you something. The world that we're a part of today, the world will tell you that the dominating influence in your life is your past. The world will tell you that. That if you came from a difficult home, that's going to determine the direction of your life. If your culture was treated unfairly, that would dictate the condition of your life today. If you were hurt or abused, or if you spent your youth in rebellion, or if your daddy was an alcoholic, and your mama was a, was, was a drug addict, you got these things that have influenced your life, then the remainder of your life will be spent struggling with your past. That's the viewpoint of the world. And the people of the world focus on what they are overcoming. But as a believer, we're going to focus on what we are becoming. It's not about what we're overcoming. It's about what we are becoming. And we've been brought up out of that grave so that the Holy Ghost can conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Our future is so full and rich and exciting that it supersedes anything that has happened in our past. I want to I tell you tonight the power of the Holy Ghost has spoke to you and said come forth and so now it's up to somebody to start doing a spiritual strip thing as you walk up to the front I'm coming out of my grave clothes I'm coming out of anything that has identified me to my past come on let's praise him one more time hallelujah hallelujah you could carry that kind of weight. I'm coming out. It was mine. I'm leaving it behind. Till I've Hallelujah. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried. Hallelujah. It was my tomb, yeah. 
love this. He called your name and you came out of that grave. That's what he does. You remember where you were. And if it wasn't for the power of God that moved into your dead situation, you wouldn't be alive tonight. But that's not the whole story. It's not just about being raised. It's about being loosed. He raised us from the grave. But it's time to get loose from everything that identified us to the grave. I want all over this room, you start praying for each other right now. I want you to pray. I want you to pray with intensity that God would help your brother and help your sister to be completely loosed from any grave cloth, from anything that would represent the deadness that they had been in. Come on, start praying. Praying with intensity. Praying in the Holy Ghost. 